heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Welcome to Healing the Whole Person. This is Susie McGinn. And my special guest today is our very familiar and very welcome Father Robert Sears, S.J. Uh, He is the past president of ACT Heals, an association of health care providers who bring Jesus' healing to health care. A former professor of Jesuit School of Theology in Chicago and at the Institute of Pastoral Studies of Loyola University, Chicago. He is a much-in-demand spiritual director, counselor, retreat presenter, and writer on various aspects of healing. Father Sears is considered a foremost authority on the family system and healing the family tree and is a featured speaker monthly on WSFI 88.5 FM's Healing the Whole Person, which is our show today. And so welcome, Father Sears. And uh, Father has chosen now, after we have just finished a whole series on the several months of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we are now going to deal with the very beautiful fruits of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to let you introduce the rest of it, Father, but I just want to give my listeners a little hint. We're going to get some Greek uh, language lessons today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Susie. Yeah, what I thought was after dealing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are gifts for ministry, and they were blessings given to Jesus, that uh, fortitude, so the gift of wisdom and understanding, counsel and fortitude, knowledge and piety and fear of the Lord. They're from Isaiah 11, the second to the third verses. And so that led me to think, well, we need to do something also on the fruits of the Holy Spirit, because these are qualities of the goodness of the individual person. It's not just for ministry. It's for actually living and growing in holiness. And uh, they're listed in St. Paul's Galatians, the fifth chapter, the 22nd and 23rd verses. And he lists nine of them. And some people will be puzzled because the Catholic Catechism lists 12. And uh, that actually comes from St. Jerome's Latin version of the Bible. So he, he lists 12 also. And those are the ones that traditionally have been listed for the the Catholic Church. And they're in the Catholic Catechism, 1832. They're charity, and we're going to begin with that today. Then joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control and chastity so we'll deal with those one at a time each week well they're all in a sense uh, include all of them because once we're in the holy spirit all of the fruits of the holy spirit in some way are going to be manifested and as we deepen in the holy spirit we'll deepen in each of these fruits their qualities really 
that are opposed to works of the flesh in that same passage from Galatians, the previous verses. And the works of the flesh, he lists, is our immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, rivalry, jealousy, acts of selfishness, dissensions, factions, envy, drinking bouts, orgies. There's a lot of them, huh? <laughs> That's right. We're all familiar those who do with such those. things, Paul says, will mm. not inherit the kingdom of God. So those are the opposites. So the fruits of the Holy Spirit are signs of growing in holiness. So they are gifts of the person, you might say, that shine forth the more we're living in the divine will. And in the likeness of Jesus, because he lived all of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So we'll look at them in future presentations, one at a time, and, and look at them in light of Jesus' own life, so that he is the model for them, and in light of other saints that have uh, em embodied them in their lives. How do they relate to being in the state of sanctifying grace, Father? Well, they are. You know, grace is a is itself a, a created participation in the Holy Spirit. So the fruits of the Holy Spirit are, you might say, touchstones to see whether we're in grace or whether we are living in grace. And namely, grace is, is itself a fruit of the Holy Spirit. In the early church, for example, they didn't have a word for grace. They called it divinization. Oh, okay. <laughs> because we really are being f formed in the image of God. And life through the it's fruits God's of the life. Holy Spirit. Yeah. God's life living in and through us, is it, would you say? Yes. Yeah. And St. Ignatius speaks about discernment of spirits, you know, as a guide to our growth. And so the more we get in touch with these fruits of the Holy Spirit, we'll, we'll be more and more assured that we're on the right path. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because they're all discernment of the Holy Spirit, and they are, in a sense, only possible in the Holy Spirit if you really understand what the the particular gift is. Sure. And we begin today with with uh, charity. We call it charity because it uh, it really isn't translated charity in the New Testament. Usually, it's just made love. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is love because we kind of have a de we're deficient in our words for that same thing, and so we use love for the four different things that the Greek word Greek uh, you know language divided into four different words. Well, actually, one of those words, which is charity, is not found in secular Greek literature. It's found in the New Testament. Okay. <laughs> and so that's unique to the New Testament, really. Yeah, but there are four words. For there the are wor four words, for and one of them is French. One of them Greek. is uh, affection, mm -hmm. that's storge in Greek. Is kind of like animal lovers. You say you love your dog or you love your pet. Or you, you love ice can't. cream. <laughs> right. You love, you love ice cream. Exactly. You could do that. As parents for children or children for parents, for example, that, that's the kind of affection that, that just links us together. And then there's friendship, philia. And as we'll see, that is found in the New Testament, whereas Dorge is not because the New Testament is interested more in the things that unite us with God. So they have to do with the spiritual growth. So friendship is found in the New Testament. It's a love based on common interest, 
a sense of kinship, mutual attraction. Does it have friendship. anything um, to do with the fact that we're made in the image and likeness of God? So that, Amen. yeah, so that loving another person, phileo, uh, is an kind of a love because we relate to the other person in spirit yes yes okay. yes well we'll see that there's different kinds of philia too but because that in a sense <clears throat> there's there's a human focus on philia that's just the ordinary human love you might say and that's a love based on common interest etc and sense of kinship mm-hmm. and then we have agape which is the one that's translated charity and then we have eros which is romantic love so that's i guess what people nowadays use for for love is is eros mostly because they don't really think of friendship as as love as so much as just friendship or you like that person or whatever you know so the words of affection storge and romantic love eros are not found in the new testament so Human affections and desires are not the focus of the Bible, but friendship and divine love are central to its message. So that that that's important to know. Sure. Now, what is friendship? I mean, friendship traditionally in the Greek language is the is the highest form of love, and it's even in uh, the Old Testament, for example, because the friendship between Jonathan and David uh, was really highlighted. Jonathan loved David as he loved himself, Samuel 1 Samuel 18.3 says. So he he really was attracted to David right from the beginning. And he's the one, of course, that we know that saved David from Saul's jealousy and wanted to kill him. So Jonathan, the son, didn't, uh, he wasn't jealous of David going to be the next king. He was willing to let David be the next king. He just wanted to be the you know the, the the main person after David you know right so that was a it's a deep love that actually valued the other person just for his own sake so when and Jesus that, called us he said I call you friends yes yeah it was he called you friends and that's that we'll mention that later okay because it does it is used the word philia but they, he he said because uh, I, I call you friends, and I have loved you, he said, with a love, uh, greater love than this no one has, than lay down one's life for one's friends. Right. But th- that kind of love, that particular word that he uses for that greater love is agape. So in other words, yeah. that's divine love. Right. It's a, when it's one a... gives one's life for one's friends. Right. You know, so when... that's, that's the important one that we'll really be dealing with, as I'll mention later. It's much more common in the New Testament than any other word for love. Right. It's certainly the most powerful love, the one we need to know about the most. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yes, And I I want to, I bring up the other words there because we sometimes understand a word because of how it's related to other similar words. In the New Testament, philia and uh, agape use the same word in well not in the greek but in the english translation because we right. we have limited resources for love yeah <laughs> and uh, you know different languages have different things i think in french you have about 20 words for love you know right. <laughs> so and, um, i know in, in greek too there's like six words for obedience 
uh, I learned that right. way back in my Bible study days years ago, and how because they considered all the forms of obedience, you know, depending on to whom you were being obedient, so important that so important. it wasn't just and, and not the kind just, of love that they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, so they had a more hierarchical attitude towards as i mentioned later and uh, i can bring it up now charity itself sounds like it's more of a uh, related to things or giving uh, you know alms to yeah, the poor and that right. type of thing and so i i prefer the word love but then i have to point out what word is actually being used for that translation the new testament usually translates anything love and so because charity doesn't quite hit it off, as we'll see. That's right. Philia mm -hmm. is, is very important, and that's one of the fullest human loves, as I mentioned with David and Jonathan, for example. And the Greeks had a very high regard for, for that type of love, too. And it's the attraction among uh, different humans to each other. And it's based on human attraction, and so they did point out that it could diminish and be lost as one loses one's attractiveness. It's based on attractiveness. See, that's the point that is probably not highlighted in the New Testament, because true love is based on a desire to give good to the other person. It's not based necessarily on attractiveness. And the and certainly agape is not based on attractiveness no. at all. So you're saying Jonathan Davids was on attractiveness? No. Oh, yes, but I think it was God's attraction. Yes. Because it was so important for, it was so unusual for one thing, and it was so self-sacrificing because Jonathan was willing to sacrifice his, the kingship for David, you know. Right. right. So it's, it's, uh, it, it was really divine love, but it's used. I don't know what the word was used. I didn't really pursue that very closely. So that would be Hebrew, of course, and then I'd have to figure out what <laughs> what word they used for, for that word. Right. right. <clears throat> so <clears throat> moderns think of eros as love and the, the attraction between man and woman, and gay and lesbian, and those. There's all kind of. Uh, sexually based loves erotic love yeah erotic love yes mm -hmm. and a lot of the you know, the plays you know Romeo and Juliet etc although those loves that they kind of border on God's love too you know because they're willing to die for the other person etc so <clears throat> in the New Testament philia is the general word for love for example Jesus says Whoever loves father or mother, son or daughter, and the word here is philia again, son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Right. And so it's if it's that attraction where you have the you're loving, you're holding on to the father or the mother uh, more than Jesus, you're not worthy of Jesus. So that love is really what's the lodestone of our life? What are we focused towards? And do not be like the hypocrites who love to pray in the synagogues. So they love to pray in the synagogues. What do they love? They love the adulation and the honor that the people give them. The egoism, uh, right? Right. right. So that's basically self-centered. And that's very different from God's love because God's love is other-oriented. Exactly. It wants good for the other person that you love. And so they have received their reward, Jesus says. They've already got it. 
the people honor them, you know? Right. They put them, hold them in high esteem. Well, that's what they're looking for. So whatever we're looking for becomes, is it what, that's where our treasure is. And uh, we'll get that particular goal, but it isn't what God wants for us. He wants himself, which is, we'll get to that. So whoever loves his life loses it. Another passage, this is in John 12, 25. Whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it to eternal life. So now, now we're getting into areas where we don't know that we would recognize it as love. Yes. For example, so sacrificing ourselves or suffering pain with Jesus for the sake of other people is a very high form of love. And that's more, we're getting into the agape love. Right. Is this where we talk about how we share in the sufferings of Christ? Is yes, that, exactly. Okay. And so oftentimes we don't think of that as love because we're usually trying to avoid suffering, whereas love is attractive. And so we we think of love as something that draws us, but God's love it draws us only at a very deep level. When we do fall in love with God, then we're willing to do the sacrifice, and it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. It feels like love. Right, right. <laughs> so, but we're in the we're in the Holy Spirit then. So that's really one of the deepest signs of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. No, and that deep, this philia can be very deep, and I mentioned the passage there from Lazarus's sisters who sent to Jesus, "The one you love is ill." And when Jesus said, no one has greater love, but he was thinking of agape, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, he said, philoi. So Uh he's using friendship there. If you do what I command you, and I have called you friends, philus, because I have told you everything that I've heard from my father. Right. When you say so he, he sh- you, shares yeah. everything with us, and that's that's the sign of friendship. Yeah. Well, we you don't wrote hold anything back. Quoted that one for fifteen, uh, chapter fifteen, verse fourteen says, "You are my friends if you yes. do what I command you." There, it ties in with obedience, just like Jesus yes. was obedient all the way to the cross out of yes. love for his father. So that's, yes. you know, obedience and and love are very closely connected. That's, uh, it's a very good point. Yeah. Because I think as we go, the agape love especially is that love is the next one I'll focus on because as a matter of fact, there, you know, in the concordance of the Greek concordance that I was looking at, the agape love takes about 15 columns. Mm-hmm. Philia love takes about a half column. <laughs> so that's the difference. And yeah. there's no columns or anything for the other two, Storge and, and uh, you know, the affection one. Right. So <clears throat> agape love is the one that's most often used. And in Paul's letters, for example, there's only two texts where the other word is used. And it's both in the conclusions of the 1 Corinthians and uh, letter to Titus. So this is the love that is specialized in the uh, the New Testament. And such love is of God. We are called by Jesus to love this way. Love your enemies in Matthew 5, right. to 45. And agape is the word. Love your enemies. Jesus says, let God, for God lets his sun shine on the good and the bad alike. Mm-hmm. It, his love is universal. This is how Jesus loved us and continues to love us. 
So we don't have to be good for for Jesus to love us. He loves us because he's good. <laughs> right. The very mm. nature of Jesus is to be like the Father, and the, he always only does what he sees the Father doing. So since the Father loves every yes. creature that he's created, there's no limit to God's love. There's that obedience again. Again. Yeah. Uh, obedience always... is the sign of that, because yeah. see, love is ultimately unitive. Yeah. And obedience is what unites our will to coincide with God's will. Isn't that beautiful? So we're oh, one yeah. with God when we obey. Obedience isn't slavish. No. It's 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 ultimately there are different kinds of obedience. There's an obedience that comes to an authority that's external, and that's important. But it's not the the, the type of obedience. But obedience is deep listening. Yes. Obedire. Audio is the word for to hear, and so to obedire is to listen to somebody. So obedience means that we really listen to God and we try to conform our life on the values that he values. Right. Someone and said he, uh, love is a, a verb. So if uh, when you connect it with obedience, you're acting out and you're doing what God reveals to you. That's uh, very good. Right? Yes. Yeah. So I, uh -huh. I think that, um, you know, and like it says in this and this is love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as expiation for our sins. Exactly. What, oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> In other words, okay. and what did Jesus do? He yeah. identified with us yeah. while we were still sinners. Yes. He became sin. Right. So that's what love does. It, 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 in a sense, it's self-sacrificing. It identifies with where the, the person that you're loving is. Right. That's something I have to learn little by little so that I don't project my values onto other people who are nowhere near them, you know. Right. Because then they just reject it and they, they reject the Christianity or spirituality. Yeah. So there's there's a sense in which Jesus doesn't really judge people. If you look at the Samaritan woman, you know, he he says, you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. You've answered rightly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he, he's not saying, you know, you're a bad person because you did that. No, yeah. he doesn't do that to anybody. He only loves. And so he, but he does the truth. So he can't, he can't, you know, he doesn't overcome truth because no. love wants the best for the other person. He doesn't so want to take her free will to, to choose him. Uh, by lording it over her and condemning her, he wants oh, her. To, he wants to he still did. let her use that that gift of love, the free will, so she can choose him. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. Do you uh, hear we'll that give wonderful some examples where I want to point out the difference between them, but we need to take a break yeah, now. Yeah, we so do. Yes. We'll be coming um, back. Yeah, this is really exciting. I think we could do the, the five shows on this. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, we'll get it in various ways. <laughs> we will, we will. All right, we'll be right back, everybody. Please stay with us. You're listening to Healing the Whole Person. I'm Susie McGinn, and our special guest today is Father Robert Sears, S.J.
Hi, this is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore, wishing the fullness of God's blessings upon all those who will soon be receiving a sacrament for the first time. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild being baptized, receiving their first Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information, including a virtual tour, is available on Facebook. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Welcome back to Healing the Whole Person. Again, this is Susie McGinn, and our guest today uh, is the wonderful and very faithful to our station, Father Robert Sears. Uh, we are uh, starting a series, Father is, on the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and today we're dealing with um, the, the gift of the, the fruit of charity. But before we go on with our very interesting discussion, we want to mention some um, prayer requests that have been sent in uh, by our listeners and uh, supporters. So, Father... Um, We'd like to pray, first of all, for the repose of the souls of Martha, Larry, Frank, and Mary Frizzoli, for God's healing blessings on the McGinn family, the Sherapata family, the Spada family, the Gundram family, the Berktold family, Carl, Gina, Kevin, Russ, Rich, John, Carla, Bianca Wick, Dan, Elizabeth Quirk, Diane Simon, Carolyn Bagdon, Walt Oakley, Jillian, Ed Danowski, Megan Powers, and all those here and those who hold us in their hearts, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just bless all of those that uh, Susie has mentioned, and we ask that you would free them from any... uh, sorrow that they can't get beyond till they open up to the fullness of your healing love through christ our lord amen amen and so we've been discussing all the wonderful meanings of love uh, and charity especially in uh, both the old and the new testament today and um, when we just left off it was we were had just quoted the first john four ten where Father used this quote, uh, it says, And this is love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his Son as expiation for our sins. And it just reminded me of the fact that love is, um, I had mentioned earlier, uh, love is a verb, but it also is an act of the will. And it is, uh, but it also is something I learned years ago that can be an act of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's That's true. A, there's a lot of times um, in my own life, and I'm sure in most people's lives, when there are people that we are d- dealing with that are very difficult to love for one reason or another. But God gives us 
the answer to this. He he told us, and I had this was so it's been so important in my life. But it, he said, love one another, like you said earlier, Father, love one another as I have loved you. But how do Amen. we love like God loves? We're not God. But what we can do, and I learned, is to allow ourselves to be uh, conduits, if you will, or channels for his love, asking him to love in and through us. His agape love, his purest love, his divine love that that knows no boundaries and it's yes. a healing love and it i had a situation where there was a gal in my bible study that really rubbed me the wrong way <laughs> i didn't mm. I, this is awful but i didn't even care for the way she prayed it was, it was a really really big sin on my part but i just prayed i learned this uh loving by faith and then i just all that was overcome in me. Uh-huh. And that beautiful? Uh, yeah, it was. That's why, that's why one John says, you know, not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us first. Right, right. That's very important because we can't give what we haven't received. Right. And you put pressure on yourself to choose to do something that you're doing it then. And then yeah. it isn't necessarily God's love. No. He wants us to really want to do what God wants. In other right. words, it's not simply carrying it out, like in uh, you know obeying your father because you'd get punished if you got, if you didn't. Right. But you're doing it because you want to be one with the father because you you love the father. As Jesus said, the son can only do what he sees the father doing. Right. He does nothing on his own. He doesn't do anything primarily just himself. He's always, in a sense, tuned with his father's love, and he's carrying that out in a human way. And that's what this agape love is. It's not our love. No. We can't actually do it. No. Because the, cause this agape love is love that is unconditional and forever. Right. And we say, for example, and I want to give some passages here that are very important, because in in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You know, and we could say, well, that we, that's, well our love is God's love. Well, <laughs> is it? You know, it's agape love, and it has to be God's love. In other words, marriage isn't possible except in God's love, if we're going to love it the way, if we're going to enter into marriage the way the uh, scripture speaks about it. That's why Catholics see marriage as a sacrament. Yeah, it's by faith. It's meant to be grace. Yeah. Yes, it's meant to give grace, not simply human love. Right. It's not and, against human love, of course, no. because human love, when it's perfected, will be integrated into God's love. That's the perfect love, mm-hmm. that the good looking for the good of the other person. That's right. And so he says that, so in a sense, as Christ loved the church and sacrificed himself for the church, he said, husbands, love your wives, agapate, your wives, as Christ loved agapason, the church. And he loved the church by giving his whole life Unto for death. greater love than this 
no one has. Right. So that's really the love that is being presupposed in marriage. Right. When you it's go to the altar, we don't know yeah. what we're going it's to have. It's not your love. No. It's God's love. And we don't know what we're going to have to face in the future in that marriage. So you, right. you are going by faith. Years ago, there was in the marriage ceremony, Father, there used to be a, a paragraph that they, they used to read, read this little sermonette to the married couple being married right before they took their vows. You, I'm sure you would remember this, but he, he, the priest used to, they don't do this any longer, but the priest used to say, you know, uh, when you have problems, comma, and you're going to have them, comma, then, you know, and he went on in his, but a lot of people don't listen to that. They're just so full of wedding bliss and <laughs> the ceremony that they, they don't realize, but it, hopefully as they get on in their marriage, they know how to call upon the power of God to overcome the difficulties that they're definitely going to have. Amen. Yeah. Now, the, one yeah. of the things that I tell people when they're getting married, you marry a family system. You don't just marry a person. Right. And so you're going to have all of the problems to face that the family system hasn't dealt with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be all surfacing because that's why people marry in the first place is to resolve these they don't know they're doing that but they they to resolve unfinished things from their family so if they're if they had trouble with their father they're going to marry somebody that they think can be a father to them yeah can make up for that fathering yeah but oftentimes they marry somebody just like their father and then they have the problems to to deal with again so marriage, in a sense, is, is, is inevitably going to raise up issues that you won't be able to heal simply on a human level. And so if you're going to stick with it, uh, unless you just tough it out, but it's not, you know, kind of loses its thrill, uh, it's going to raise issues that you will have to move deeper into the spirituality and see God in the other person and see that you're helping that person face unhealed wounds in themselves. It's not all about you getting what you need from the other person. That's right. If that's that, if that's your attitude towards marriage, it's it's the earliest attitude that Paul mentions, and he encourages people not to get married because then they'll be divided between pleasing their spouse or pleasing God. Right. Whereas that that division has gone away when you get to Ephesians, because that's now it is the love that Christ has for the church, namely the agape love, that they're loving each other in, mm. and that's the the divine love. Yeah. So there's other two passages that I'd like to just bring up are, are from John's Gospel, and one of them, of course, is the one that we just we looked at earlier. This is my commandment to love one another as I have loved you. And the word is agapate, that you would love each other with the same love that I have loved you. And no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So he's encouraging fellow Christians to love one another with God's love. And we are to love one another with God's love, and that makes friends of us, of with one another. Right. And we're friends of Jesus because we are beginning to share and to to sacrifice our point of view, if it's God's will, to the other person's point of view so that we can be one with other people that we initially might have difficulty being one with. But if we look at God in them and what they're doing, then we can accept them even as different 
And that's very difficult in our special age, especially when we're fighting over just about everything right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll not get to peace until we start appreciating other people, even if they aren't like us. And that could be in our families, you know, that we have different values or different political views or whatever. Right. So those things we need to be able to help ask God to show us how to find that communality in other people beyond the differences. None of the, the, the third or the, the other passage in, in John's Gospel that I think is very in, insightful is in the last chapter where Jesus asks Peter, you know, do you love me? And so the words that he uses are very interesting. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he uses agape. So agapas me, more than these. And Peter says, Lord, yes, Lord, I, you know that I love you, philia. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> As a friend. My lambs. And then he does that the same thing again, agape. And then Peter does the same thing again. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, philia. And then the third time Jesus says this, Simon, son of John, do you love me, Philemon? He, in a sense, goes into Peter's way of thinking. Okay. And Peter's hurt by that because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you still, Philia. In other words, and Jesus says, in other words, I think that contrast, that probably that bringing it into the language that Peter was using, Peter could feel how deeply he hurt Jesus and he also got hurt himself deep down. Mm. And so he could feel that, but he could also see what Jesus was saying because he was using a different word. Do you love me, Agapas? Do you have that selfless love for me? And Peter would have really acknowledged that when he heard that Jesus changed the word. And do you love me, Philae? Because Jesus entered into his way of thinking. Yeah. And when he said that, then Peter, Jesus went on and said, you know, when you were old, when you were young, you walked where you will. But when you're older, someone else will lead you where you'd rather not go. He said that indicating what kind of death he was going to suffer. Jesus was trying to draw Peter more and more into living with divine love so that he wanted, when he was crucified, he didn't even want to be crucified the same way as Jesus, but upside down. Upside down, right. Right. So that's what we're called to, and and this is really the kind of love that is a covenant love. In other words, that's why charity doesn't sound right. This just doesn't fit. Because it's a marriage love. God says that he's the spouse of Israel. Uh-huh. So Israel is married to uh, to God in the body of Christ. So when we become one body with Christ, we are in a cer- certain sense uh just one body with God. Uh-huh. We are the <laughs> we are the bride, and He is the bridegroom, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, in the another um, part in John that I I love is at the end of chapter seventeen that at the we they call that the high priestly prayer at yes. the last supper, and uh, in verse twenty six, uh, 
Jesus says, I made, he's talking to his father and he says, I made known to them your name and I will make it known that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. And I just, I think that, you know, is, is so powerful. It's, it's mind blowing how, you know, how, how do you, can you imagine that the love between the father and the son uh, exhibited by the Holy Spirit uh, is available to us, that he loves us. It, our, his love for us is the same. Same and, love. Yeah, exactly. the same Isn't love. Isn't that something? And it that's, is. And John points that out very early in the, in the prologue, too. Uh-huh. For example, if you look at the prologue, the prologue begins, you know, in the beginning was the Word, word. and the Word was with God. Right. In him was life, and the life was the light of the world. So the first 12 chapters of John's gospel are light and life. And that's why you have the healing of the blind man in chapter uh, 9 there. And then the healing of uh, Lazarus raising from the dead in chapter 11. So basically, that's, those are indications of the glory of God, that God is the light of the world. He's also the life of the world. And it's been given to Jesus so that he can bring that healing. So he is manifesting the, the, the gifts of God. Well, the love of the world is the final section, chapter 13 all the way to the end. And Peter, do you love me? And then the chapter 13 is, you know, that knowing that he was now come, the hour had come for him to pass from this life into eternity, Jesus having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And if you look at uh, chapter one again, the last verse is, no one has ever seen God, the only son, the only begotten son who rests in the bosom of the father. is called upon into the bosom in the sense there's a uh, uh, has revealed him and what does the beloved disciple do at the last supper peter asks him who is the one that he's speaking about and the beloved disciple leaned back into the bosom the same word as in the introduction the, the bosom of the father the bosom of jesus So in other words, the disciple Jesus love is the one that's held into the heart of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's all of us. Right. And one way he blessed John was that he didn't have to suffer martyrdom. Isn't that correct? St. John? Well, he he did suffer martyrdom, but it it wasn't uh, a death by other people killing him. He, He was suffered martyrdom through the suffering that he went through of course there are different ways of suffering martyrdom martyrdom means witness <laughs> and any like padre pio didn't get killed but he suffered martyrdom <laughs> yes <laughs> because yes. he suffered for all the people that he was interceding for you know and he had the 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 uh, the, the stigmata you know in his hands and everything so he has he was suffering with the, the suffering of jesus and that was what gave him the power to forgive and to have all those healing gifts that he was given. So that's the only way that we can really grow deeply in love is by self-sacrificing love. And that's, it's got to be grounded in God's love so there's no focus on us. So that's true of all the great saints like uh, 
to Catherine of Siena, she had that too, and so did Louisa Picaretta, and uh, right. you know, although it was hidden in Louisa Picaretta, but the it was the same. She was living uh, with Jesus in His sacrificing for the love of the world, and the deeper people get into the love of God, the more they're going to experience that. Because, but it might not show in the same way. It might not be an external uh, being killed, but there's there's a constant sacrifice that is giving of oneself. Yes. And that's what's similar in the Old Testament. For example, there's a sacrifice that was asked for Abraham, and he was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. Right. Well, Abraham was willing to do that, and then he was stopped. He didn't have to do it. But who was the one that sacrificed his son? The father. The father, and, yes. And so it. basically that was the that was the sign of giving everything to God because the, the son was everything equal to the father. He was giving his whole self for us. And so when, when we're called to love with that agape love, it's really total. It, there's no a limit to how much he wants us to give. That's right. He wants us to give everything, but even in giving everything, we might not have the same... Uh, outcome because it's God that chooses what everything is going to entail. Mm -hmm, that's right. <laughs> Mary didn't die at all, it seems. I mean, she, you know, there's different views about Mary passing to the Lord whether she had died or not. You know, the Dormition right. is one view is that she simply was taken up, and that seems like that was the one that she said was true. But the other view is that she died in imitation of Jesus for that she could be one with everybody that has to die to themselves and also to grow. But they die to themselves because they need to be healed from sin. And Jesus is the one that heals us from sin, not any human. Right. And so Mary wouldn't be needed for that. She could be a revelation of what it would have been if they had never sinned in the first place. Right. You know, so, I've been thinking a lot about the word uh, death as it's read in the Bible and in our prayers. It started when I was praying the whole Hail Mary one day, and I started thinking at the end of the uh, Hail, the second part of the prayer, we say now and at the hour of our death, amen. And we amen. often think that, you know, we want Mary's intercession. We want her there. We want uh, the power of God as our soul is separated from our body and we're uh, joined with with our Lord. But I also thought that that could also mean uh, now and at the hour of our death to self here yes. while yes. we're here on earth because um, we, we focus so much on physical death, but it's the death to ourselves and our egos that and our egoism that is most important. And that's yes. how we'll have happy deaths. Is That's because, yeah. yeah now, one and of the things that, that so, needs to be brought up, because when we face death, we feel alone. Yeah. And when Jesus was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Mm -hmm. So that's one of the last ditch resistances that we have to facing death is that feeling that we're totally alone. Nobody is with us because that's the most painful thing because we're made relational. We're made in the image of the family of God. He's essentially relationships. Right. And so when we don't have anybody that we feel we're related to, 
that's when we're most deeply related to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> because just... he went through that. He said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Right. He was willing to face that feeling. And if we realize, and that's why we need Mary, because she's a, a person who can companion us. There's a book by uh, Richard Rohr, actually, one of his earlier books, and he quoted Herman and Hess, Herman Hess's book, Narcissus and Goldman. And uh, Narcissus is a very isolated individual person, introverted, and Goldman is very feeling-oriented. And, and Narcissus is dying. And Goldman says to Narcissus, Narcissus, how will you die? Without a mother, one cannot live. Without a mother, one cannot die. Oh, how beautiful. Father, on that note, would you give us your blessing before we close yes. today? Uh, for May all the blessing of Almighty God, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend on everybody who's listening and make it the sign of God's love coming in to invite you into that covenant of love and marriage with God that he's calling all us to. Thank you, Father. Thank you. God bless you. on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.